You're listening to Episode 7 of Season 4 of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. In this episode, the top leaders. Hi, I'm Sharon. And I'm Diana. Well, we thought we would follow on to our conversation about what makes good workplaces or great workplaces um, with some um, discussion about what makes the CEOs or the folks running those best workplaces, um, what makes them be who who they are and, and what is it that people say about them. And um, in this um, survey done by the Oregonian, uh, they, they selected three CEOs from a small, medium, and large-sized company and uh, talked about what the employees said about them and then interviewed those individuals. So it might be kind of an interesting frame to start with that and then look mm-hmm. at some other ideas around that. Um, so, uh, starting with the, um, with Ray Davis, who was the head of, uh, the largest of the organizations that they looked at, the employees say that, um, he communicates well with everyone in the company from the top to the bottom, that his answers aren't always what they want to hear, but that he's, um, a really transparent leader and a great motivator. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what great motivator means, whether that's rah, 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 but we'll, yeah. we'll right. see. Um, so Whatever he, it is he does, it makes people want to do their work. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. um, he says that although he doesn't have a lot to do with hiring, that when he does weigh in on some kind of a hiring decision, the thing he's looking for the most are the qualities that aren't on somebody's resume. And I I love this answer. He says, I'm looking for a certain attitude, a twinkle in the eye. Can you imagine saying that what you're looking for is a twinkle in people? I love it. It's like... What is is his company again? I'm Quabank. Oh. Um, Bankers with a twinkle in their eye. That's very... (laughs) That is interesting. That's that's, good. So there's something about... Who someone is mm-hmm. that speaks to him through that kind of um, that kind of affect that they show, that I think is just inter- interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's saying he goes on to say, can they inspire? Can they motivate? Um, he says that um, when it's important to. Um, when, when employees have to ship jobs for whatever the reason, uh, whether it's because of shrinking or they, they need their skills somewhere else or whatever, he says it's really important that leaders think about their fears. Mm-hmm. What is someone concerned about? Um, and that, that he really pays a lot of attention to that. He pays a lot of attention to the idea of transparency, that you have to be truthful and get information out fast gets fear, getting fear out of the way, and once it's out there, the healing process can begin. Mm-hmm. And, and now here's an interesting quote for a man, I think. I'm the CEO, but my real title is head of support. Mm. Interesting. So, so here's a guy who, by virtue of 
being able to speak in that kind of language is is obviously willing right. to speak to uh, uh, a very human kind of right. compassionate side. Um, I like that. I think that that's an interesting kind Probably of Probably use more of that in the finance world. You think? <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's how some really bad mortgages got <laughs> yeah. made. I yeah. don't know. It could be. It could be. Well, that, that comment is interesting because it uh, reminds me of this... Um, HBR, Harvard Business Review blog uh, from uh, toward the end of August by Roger Swartz. It's called What Stops Leaders from Showing Compassion. And so at first he talks about what is compassion and how do you show that at work. And um, one of the things that's that he says is um, there's plenty of... I, he doesn't. He says recent research suggests he doesn't cite where the research all, all of it comes from, but he says uh, people who experience compassion, that kind of connection that mm-hmm. that Ray is talking about, feel more committed to the organization and feel more positive emotions at work. When people receive bad news, that's delivered with compassion, they are they remain more supportive of the organization. So, so it's possible to have to deliver bad news. Like, you know, right. you, you need to be moved. We need your skills in this other branch of the bank. Right. Or we're um, closing this branch office, yeah. but we're going to find you a job somewhere else. Right. Um, that if, if, if that is delivered with caring and compassion and an understanding that that's disruptive to people's lives, um, that those folks are able more able to stay engaged with the organization sure. and and still do good work and i think that's um you know leaders who have been trained in or promoted on the basis of you know their ability to um, be judge you know to judge and evaluate and um you know, make the hard decisions and some of, you know, some of the stereotypes that we have in mind about leadership, that gets in the way mm-hmm. of that kind of compassion. And and sometimes I think people are fearful of showing that kind of compassion. They think, you know, if, I, if I'm compassionate, how could I possibly deliver bad news? Right. And that, it's just a skill. It's a skill you develop like any other skill and they just haven't developed it yet. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying earlier about, um, you know, that the number one thing that executives wish they had more of was the ability to manage conflicts. Um, those are just skills and it's, it's, it's not impossible to develop that. Um, and, and being able to, to talk to people with compassion is one of those. I, um, a colleague, Tells, has told a story about um, being in a workplace where uh, I think it was her, it was her it might have been somebody else said to their manager that they were feeling uncomfortable about some decision that had been made or or feeling like it was you know it was going to turn out badly and the manager <laughs> said well I've thought about it and I don't think you should feel that way. <laughs> Um, you know, and it's like, you know, 
the the whole idea of you know logical thought and feelings not being on the same track wow you know is is a whole other yeah other thing and yeah. and and getting that um getting either mentored or you know somehow along the line managers it it is helpful to creating the great workplaces if managers get that understanding of their working with humans and humans have emotions and actually the easiest way through emotions is to acknowledge them mm-hmm. and be compassionate about them not think you have to be a therapist but just just more you know this is i know this is hard right Right. Just being able to say, I know Just this being is hard, human and, and being human back. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so on, the, um, on the small end of the uh, workplace scale, right. uh, there was a company that was way up in the rankings called uh, Simple Finance Technology. And, um, yeah, another bank. Another bank. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, they um the the ceo of of that organization is a fellow named Josh Reich mm-hmm. and um people say that one of his uh, best attributes is his accountability um oh, and that although he's he doesn't have to tell people what he's been up to um he's always sure to let us know what he's been up to and that he genuinely cares about them as people, not just as employees of the company he runs. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember seeing another quote from people there that they were talking about the thing that they love about their workplace is that, you know, they're working in an antiquated industry. And from their point of view, what they're doing is is set to revolutionize that industry. Yeah, they have a very strong vision. Yeah. And, um, right, they... Um, and sense of mission. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, y- you seem to know more about them, so, yeah. so maybe... I know, I know a little about them. I don't know a lot. Well, but, yeah. why don't you share what you do um, know? Well, the, what I do know is that the genesis of Simple has to do with this, this understanding about... Bankers don't always treat people very well. Uh-huh. Uh, their customers very right. well, and um, or their employees. Or their employees. I mean, that what goes around comes around. Right. It seems, and um, and that um, you know, looking at some of the you know, as banks have gotten more and more enamored of of you know, being a part of the world of finance, the whole deregulation stuff that happened that allowed banks to get, you know, start playing in the hedge fund arena, right, as opposed to taking care of the assets of the people that were their depositors, you know, that has created, um, well, an inattention to the assets of their of their depositors and uh, thinking of the people who, who are using them on a daily basis, those customers as valuable and as people who, you know, who need a service and that there are some, um, the, the idea is that there are some banking processes that are 
fairly simple and straightforward. And that's what most people want and need. Like and a checking account. Like having a checking account. Like be Well, maybe not even a checking account, but being able to have a way to easily pay my bills, whatever form that takes. And sort of rethinking those forms. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a, still a checking account, but maybe it's something different. Maybe I just need to pay my bills. And how how could I possibly do that? And how could the web and technology uh, automate that and, and make it simple and make it easy for people to do? And so that, is that what they do? That's... That's around what they do. I don't. I don't know the specifics mm. of their industry, and I haven't looked at their mm. website lately. The last mm. time I looked at their website was a couple of years ago. Yeah, he so says I don't they know started what four years now. ago with yeah. two people. Yeah. Now they're up to about seventy-five. Right. Yeah, and I've known some people who have worked there and, and left, not for reasons that they hated the place, but just because they found another another opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, but that I, that mission of we are going to we are going to take back banking mm-hmm. <laughs> for the little guy, right? I think is a very it's very compelling, right? And and what are the ways that we could do to do that? Mm. Um, you know those those kinds of having that kind of uh, having a leadership that can communicate that what what our work is about here has to do with human terms. We, you know, we, yes, of course we need to make money. We all need to pay our bills, but we are not here just to make a profit. We are here to, you know, enable people to, enable authors and readers to talk to each other directly, which is another company that, that LeanPub, that we're familiar with. I mean, it's, it's this whole idea of enabling new behaviors, um, and that it, we can do well by doing good, yeah. right? That, yeah. whole, that whole idea that's not a brand new idea, but seems to be getting kind of renewed emphasis these days. And if you think about that, doing well by doing good, or we are here to increase shareholder value, <laughs> Our reason for being is to increase shareholder value as opposed to our reason for being is to transform the world of banking so that people have more control over their own assets. Those are really different points of view and are going to give rise to very different cultures, very different kinds of leadership, very different organizations, and very different workplaces. Yeah. You know, it, it's um, it's funny, uh, although, uh, you know, it always comes down to people. You yeah. know, um, if, if I I do my personal banking at, um, um, uh, what is it, J.P. Morgan? Oh, okay. You know, the big, yeah. right. The right. big bank, right? Um, but... They opened up a new branch closer to where I live, so I go there now instead of the old branch. And somehow or another, every person that works in that branch knows my name. When I come in, that you know, there are, there's not a lot of people in the bank. So when I come in, sometimes I'm the only customer, or maybe there's another customer. 
I hear two or three people, hi, Sharon. Mm -hmm. And when I go up to the teller, um, if, if it's the young man who's on duty, he and I are having like an ongoing conversation about six feet under. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how we got on that subject, but right. so the he, TV he, show. Yeah, he always years. wants to know, like, okay, are, you know, are you up to this part yet? Or, you know, what year are you in? So like the other, I finished it. And the other, the other day I went in there, I said, okay, I've seen the end. And we had like a 20 minute conversation about the end while he was doing something else, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's like, it's like a small town bank. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I went in there with a problem, they would knock themselves out to help me. I mean, wow, yeah, that's amazing to me. And it's actually, you know, it's the same company I've banked with for a long time, but it's just that particular group of people and well or and whether the their boss that branch, that's right yes. whether their boss yeah. has said to them you know we want you know to really be friendly and whatever but every single person i've dealt with so far there has just been absolutely mm-hmm. lovely and i don't think it's an accident that no. everybody knows my name it is not an i'm sure right. it's not an accident you know i remember years ago um when my son and i had the opportunity to go to japan uh-huh and it was our first trip both of our first trip out of the country um other than sort of mexico tijuana or something but a real trip sure. out of the country and how struck we were by the fact that every single shop that we went into there, the minute we walked into the door, mm-hmm. somebody in that shop welcomed us. Yes. Uh-huh. Right? And when we left, they acknowledged that we were leaving and mm-hmm. said goodbye mm-hmm. in some way. You know, come back again. Mm-hmm. And... And we, and you know, it's like, oh my, you know, we began to notice the pattern, right? right? It's like, this is really different. Mm -hmm. These people at least are giving us the appearance that they care that we show up, Mm -hmm. you know, and they'd like us to come back. Mm -hmm. And, and we had a whole conversation contrasting that to our experience in, you know, a lot of shops that we would come into at home where that's just not an expected part of right. of the exchange and and how it creates a whole different feeling. Yeah, and... And, and it is that human-to-human connection. Right. Yeah. Right. And so often, you know, you go into a store and somebody's on the phone or they're talking to, you know, two clerks are talking or whatever and they don't acknowledge you. Right. Oh my gosh, does that make me yeah. aggravated? And yeah. the longer it goes on, I want I want to say, excuse me, am I chopped liver here? Right. And it makes me madder and madder. And nine times out of ten, when that happens, I will just walk out. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I make a snarky comment. Okay. Yeah, I do too. Well, I hoped to spend some money here, but I guess I won't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It you know, you want people to know that yeah. you need that acknowledgement. Right. And pe- people need that from each other, acknowledgement. And I, you know, bringing us back, I think that that 
is a big piece of this. It's not rewards in organizations. It's not about rewards and recognition. It's not, you know, it's not all that. It's not compensate. It's not all that stuff. Those are all kind of what as Hertzberg called them hygiene factors. I mean, we have to have some of that, but it's really about as a leader, can you acknowledge what is going on with the people that you're dealing with? Mm -hmm. Do you, do you see them? I mean, do they feel seen when they are with you? Yeah. And, and, and that seeing each other in a real way and making that acknowledgement, um, is so powerful. It's mm-hmm. so incredibly powerful. And if it's not kind of a natural part of who you are, it's important to know that you can learn that. It is sure. a skill that can be learned, and that doesn't take away from the realness of it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make it cold or mm-hmm. perfunctory or anything. The, the skill you learn is how to do that sincerely mm-hmm. and with real interest and curiosity about what's going on with other people mm-hmm. and uh you know short of some kind of wiring misfire in your brain you know pretty much anybody can learn to do that and and actually i have even encountered people who would i would self-identify as asper asperger miswired as miswired yeah. and and that have learned to do that mm-hmm. they have figured that out and they figured out that it's important yeah you so, know you know, when you when you talk about great workplaces, at least around Portland, you know, one of the legendary ones has always been Les Schwab. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they, I've heard lots of stories, you probably have too, about the real Les Schwab, because yeah. it really was one. Yeah. Um, and, and he basically practiced uh, management by walking around. Right. So that was his way of... of you know, walking around and connecting. Yeah. I mean, he would actually take the time to... Right. Yeah. Right. Talk with people. Yeah. Well, I think when people use that term by yeah. walking around, I mean, that it implies that there will be connection. Yeah. Yeah. But I've seen it <laughs> misinterpreted to mean I'm walking around and watching you. Oh, good grief. More in an observational way than a oh, connecting way. Oh, good grief. Way. How sad. Yeah. Wow. That's very sad. Wow, yeah. But I don't think that, I, I think you're right. I think the intention, the management way walking around, was uh, of what um, what the Toyota production folks and the lean folks would call um, uh, going to the Gemba. You know, go to the floor, see what's really happening sure. there, talk to the people who were there, find out, you know, how work really works around here. Right. Don't don't stay um, aloof from that and behind right. your desk. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Back in my airline days, um, I came to United Airlines just as Eddie Carlson was retiring, and and Eddie Carlson had been in the hotel industry before he came into airlines, and he was absolutely the epitome of management by walking around. And he he literally began to talk in those terms, mm-hmm. and that is how he ran that company. And the man was beloved, mm-hmm. absolutely beloved. And it wasn't because he didn't have high standards. Right. He had very high standards, and he could be very demanding. But 
he knew everybody's name. Well, I mean, not yeah. not at the, <laughs> I mean, at the more senior levels. Yeah. He knew everybody's name. Um, and it, when he made a station visit, he learned people's names, you know, right. as far down as he, as he could. He, he would show up two years later and ask, you know, hi, Diana, how's that son of yours doing? Yeah. You know, he's in college now, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. remind me, what year right. is he in? Yeah. I mean, you would just be astonished. Yeah. But it made people feel like they worked for him directly. Yeah. And he called it management by walking around and he started demanding that the people that worked for him did the same thing. And so people got out of their offices. They got out of headquarters and they began to visit stations that hadn't had senior level people coming. You know, Elko and Ely, Nevada. <laughs> I mean, how many people went there, really? Yeah. But they started getting visits because he said that's the only way you can run an organization which, you know, when you think about it, in those days there weren't so many organizations that had people scattered all over the place. Yeah. That was a pretty early, you know, model right. of that kind of multinational. Way. Yeah. Well, not so much even multinational, but yeah. you know, just highly distributed. Highly distributed. Yeah. Multiple locations. And people had to coordinate because if if a flight was late leaving one place, there was a ripple effect in the whole system. So, um, it, yeah, it meant lots and lots of communication. Right. And, um, it, you know, he, he, was, he was just legendary in that, yeah. in that business and made, made that company in many ways what it became, mm -hmm. that his personality and his philosophy really shaped it. Mm -hmm. Because before that, it was a bunch of military contracts, really. Right, right. Hmm. So, managers and leaders who really care help to make great workplaces. I think that's, you know, that that is really the message. And if you can't really care, learn, learn to. Learn to. Because it will make you better. It will make your company better. And uh, that's just a really important message, I think. And if you can't learn to, then maybe that's not the best role for you. Right. You know, maybe your contribution needs to be in another way, and that's okay, too. Yeah. And on that cheery note. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be excellent to each other. Yeah. <laughs> Please leave your comments on our blog. Or email us, info at futureworksconsulting.com. Or find us on Twitter, at FutureWKS. This has been Episode 7 of Season 4 of Partnerships and Possibilities. Thanks for listening. <laughs>